Hello, 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 and welcome to the second episode of the A to Z for 20-somethings in the 21st century. My name is Senny Whittaker, and I will be talking you through all things beginning with B in this audible pseudo-encyclopedia podcast. Feel free to get your pens out, because you may learn a thing or two. On your marks, get set, go! The Archive. B is for basic. This is the A to Z's very first slang term to crop up. As literally the definition of basic is, it's become synonymous with all things mainstream and just, well, basic. It's often used to describe the more mundane folk that follow along with trends and fashions and can be coupled with bitch to form basic bitch. Admittedly, that's a horribly derogatory term, and the male equivalent is only bro. Think macho fart joke kind of lads. Similar labels in contemporary British are Essex girls, Sloan Rangers, D4s, or Hall girls. The term is derived from the airhead and was first coined in 2009 by Lil Duval, and has since made appearances in many rap songs, including Cray Shawnee's song, Gucci Gucci, that allegedly basic bitches wear so she don't even bother. There has been backlash on the misogynist term, notably by Daisy Buchanan, who published an article on why she's proud to be a basic bitch. So whether you're embracing the term or venting about a certain colleague, basic is just part of our dictionary. B is also for being broke. A 30-something colleague once told me that he remembers being my age and just how crap it was that you have no money. I mean, who also tries their best every month to save a little bit to move into their savings account only to cry because it's probably under a tenner and you really want an extra bowl of fries tonight. Also, how infuriating is a gross salary? I mean, what's the point in even saying that you'll be earning this much when after all the taxes, it's just not there? You'll never see that amount, let alone a bonus. Can we just sit there and nod in silence? We're supposed to be adults. Tax and all the adult things with it are infuriating. So despite your greatest efforts, you just can't seem to save in this period. And you feel like being in your 20s will always be defined by how you waited for your paycheck versus somehow managing to scrape by. If you're attuned to the media, the reason we're so broke is due to our avocado addiction and even our hours spent on social media. Does this sound ludicrous? Well, apparently it's got something to do with the fact that social media is infiltrated with ads, which we end up clicking on and purchasing beyond our needs. A study reported that 20-somethings have often felt pressured into spending more because their peers do. So whether you also believe that social media is the reason you're broke as a 20-something, everybody loves a scapegoat, it's supposed to get better. I mean, you're going to see your small fortune growing. Or so they tell me. B is also for our budding, buzzing bees. <laughs> I'm sure you'll all agree that it's been heartbreaking to see that bees have been making headlines as their numbers have been dwindling. If you've been living under a rock and don't understand what bees are doing in this A to Z, I'll bring you up to speed. In layman's terms, bees facilitate plant sex so our food can grow or be nourished. Bees pollinate about 70% of the crops used to feed 90% of the world's population. I'll give you a moment to let those numbers sink in. So without them, there wouldn't just be a mass food shortage, there'd literally just be no food. 
In the last few years, our fairy friends have been declining in numbers and this has meant that for those of us in our 20-somethings, bees have become increasingly important and beloved. Their numbers have declined for multiple reasons, including climate change, pesticides, a blood-sucking mite and loss of flower meadows. A few of the above mentioned are other prevalent themes in our 20th decade, all bar the blood-sucking mite, and I sure do hope we don't have to be battling that anytime soon too. B is also for blockchain. We've all heard of it, not all of us understand it. It's got something to do with the interlink of computers and mining, but that's as far as most of us got, and yet it's shaped the way we live our lives. Audibly explaining what blockchain is is going to be very difficult, and I'm not going to pretend to be an expert. I'm merely your vocal encyclopedia. There's a great little video on YouTube that explains it with colours, which I'd highly recommend, and I've tried to link in the description of this podcast. But this handy social way of sharing and retaining information has cut out the corporate middleman. Yeah, stick it to the man! And empowered the everyman. Woohoo! Any Imogen he fans out there? She's actually a huge ambassador of blockchain technologies. She's encouraged the use of blockchain technology for budding musicians to retain ownership and yet increase accessibility. Her blockchain platform is called Mycelia. Unfortunately, it doesn't begin with B, but check it out to understand the potential of blockchain for things other than banking. This week's more serious footnote is burnout. The term has been gaining traction in the last few years and the number of 20-somethings diagnosed with burnout is rising although the average age was recently surveyed to be 32. This syndrome has been linked to chronic work stress and is as literal as it sounds. Individuals enduring prolonged stress experience depleting exhaustion, mental detachment from work and poorer performance, to the extent that even making the bed will wipe you out. Burnout is a serious condition and should be taken seriously. People aren't weak if they burn out, they've depleted their energy and reached their peak. Prolonged stress is not healthy, and burnout can often feel like depression. Fortunately, burnout can be cured by simple lifestyle changes, and can be alleviated by practicing meditation and mindfulness. It's still advised to seek help and guidance if you're unsure. The same with any physiological symptoms of stress. Make sure to take physiological symptoms seriously and reach out to your GP or somebody you trust. This week's guest on the A to Z for 20-somethings in the 21st century is Lucy Richards-Dunn, and she is the author of blog site Lucy's Wellness, which is a safe space she created for body positivity, body acceptance, mental health illness, and she created it back in 2017 while she was recovering from bulimia. And her story, for me, really was very empowering, especially when it comes to body positivity and the positive side of learning to accept and love your body. So let's hear what more she has to say. So this week we're joined by Lucy Richards-Dunn, now married. Um, I was, I tried to remember to say your full name this time. It's not even legal at the moment, so you can still call me Lucy Dunn. Hi Lucy, thanks for joining us today. So you're the co-founder and author of Lucy's Wellness. It's your blog and business to promote body positivity. And I was just curious, I mean, I've been following you for, I think, how long has this been running now? About seven years? Yeah, yeah, it would be about seven years now. And then, I mean, I've just kind of started the Instagram by itself last October. But before that, yeah, it was about seven years. And 
Why did you think it was so important at the time to start it? Well, when I was, so when I was 17, I got diagnosed with an eating disorder. So I had bulimia and the process to recover from that was obviously a challenge and uh, went through therapy and all of that stuff. And I got to a point where I just wanted to write about it as a sort of venting system. And instead of doing it in a diary and keeping it personal, I thought I'd start a blog and see if my journey would help other people in a similar situation. Um, So I just started a WordPress blog. So it was super simple. Um, And yeah, just started documenting my sort of ups and downs of recovery. And there was like anxiety and stuff in there as well. But main, the main focus was the relationship I had with my body. And from there, it just sort of carried on. I went through a period where I didn't write much because I didn't have, I kind of got through majority of my recovery, I guess. And I didn't have much to say until, yeah, probably last year where I started writing again and that's when I started up the Instagram account by itself and I think just the importance of showing people that you don't need to have that sort of socially acceptable body to like yourself and get through life and things like that and we can you know we all have bad days but in the grand scheme of things we can live in the bodies we have without wanting to change it. Yeah I think as you said, that writing is something that's actually prescribed a lot by therapists, I'd say. And it's really great that you then shared that to the outer world. And just before this conversation, you did mention that you noticed a lot in your social circles and on the wider web, people just being so self-conscious of their bodies. So I think that's a really great connection that you made that, well, you know, you've been writing about your own journey and you're like comfortable with that. So you see that the problem is still so huge in the grander scheme of things. So what what would you say body positivity is for you? Well, I was thinking about this and I think it's become a sort of buzzword and, you know, everyone's throwing it around willy-nilly. To strip everything back, it comes down to a political movement, which I think a lot of people don't realise and it originated way back in the 60s with the fat acceptance movement so it was created for people living in larger bodies and yeah political movement to fight that sort of systematic oppression for people living in larger bodies you know I could walk down the street in the body I'm in and no one really bats an eyelid Um, I don't get any sort of verbal harassment or anything like that Um, whereas people who are larger than me experience it on a daily basis and I think a lot of people overlook that And it's become, I think, a little bit, well, quite a lot, yeah, diluted in recent years by, you know, social media and the hashtags and things like that, that it it lost its, where, where it originated from. And I think maybe people need a little bit of clarity on the representation in the body positivity movement so when the people that the movement was created for you know like bigger people people of color people with disabilities when they start speaking up about things people are uncomfortable with it you know if you don't fit into that neat little box that everyone likes then you know your voices are pushed away 
and no one wants to hear it. And I think that the hashtag, especially on like Instagram and stuff like that, has been saturated with thin white women. And I'm not saying that we can't be positive or happy with our bodies, but it's just remembering that it's not a buzzword and it is a movement and that we should make way for those who it was originally originally intended for. So I'm careful not to use the hashtag in my work and I sort and I try and advocate for those that it was made for but that's not again that's not to say we can't be happy with our own bodies it's just making room for the people it was made for. Yeah definitely I mean there's a, there's an internal and external like definition for body positivity. Yeah. I'd say like there's everybody's own journey with body positivity but then of course there is the larger movement that was started with fat acceptance and I, I was doing some research prior to this conversation because I realized I, I just know it as a buzzword and wh- where it actually came from as well and there was this one uh, fitness blogger who was saying that she got a, a lot of backlash both from being her own self and then also trying to lose weight mm. and she's quite a slim person and they were saying like yeah you can't be body, body positive if you want to lose weight and it's become such a buzzword that it's lost that definition almost that nobody really knows what it truly means but what's important I think is that it's that internal like that you have to be positive in your own body and Mm. respect another person's own like body image too yeah and I think it's interesting what you said about um, like fitness and weight loss and stuff because obviously I've got a background of personal training and working in the leisure industry because it comes up in questions quite a lot like oh can you still be body positive and want to lose weight and I think it's a bit of a fine line but when your sort of weight loss journey or your food intake comes with negativity or hatred towards yourself then I don't know if we can label that as body positive but when it's coming from a place of I'm moving my body because it's strong or I'm moving my body because I feel great then yeah that's that's when you would be like that's what it's all about yeah I think that's a great way to remember that it's not a negative thing if you're doing it for a good reason. Mm, Exactly. With good intentions. We both just like touched on the fact that it has been growing a lot in the last couple of years, but it has started, it started way back in the 60s. So why would you say has it grown suddenly, especially with our generation, the 20 somethings? Why is our age group being most targeted and affected? I think I'll give that classic response of social media, but also to say that you know we we grew up with not much and then it all kind of exploded as we got older um like facebook and then instagram and all that oh myspace and bieber (laughs) back in the day but um i think it's great because we're seeing like-minded people you know and actually realizing that it's okay and it's acceptable to be whole and to live in the bodies we have and of course some people would disagree and there's never going to be no not everyone's going to be in the same mindset but on a whole I think we're yeah we're able to see ourselves in other people which I don't think was as accessible before the rise of social media and also you know previous generations this isn't to talk badly about them but they they lived through a lot of fad diets and being told their bodies aren't good enough and to an extent we did as well we had similar messages growing up but I think as a collective we've realized that enough is enough in a way 
and yeah it almost got too much I think you know I remember my mum being on seven different diets in one year mm. and me just thinking how the hell do you know which one to do yeah like, it's crazy and it's just the next one you're like oh that one didn't like work so I'm gonna start on this other one and as a like a you know a teen back then I was just thinking well yeah, well, if it didn't work, how do you think no, the next one's going to work? Like, why do you even bother? You're constantly dieting. I prefer just to be eating. Exactly. And I think back to, you know, even when we were younger, and it's just, you, you don't realise at the time, but there was those special K adverts and saying that you could eat, like, two bowls a day and lose X amount of weight. And it was just like, you think back to that, and it's so scary to, you know? And they, I think, our parents and stuff had that a lot going through life, so... That might have been why, you know. And it's not just our parents. I mean, there, there's been trends for, like, you know, centuries about how, how especially women should look, from corsets to, like, lead on your face to make yourself look whiter. Like, there's been so many trends, and not just in the Western world, and the Eastern world has their own. But would you say that body positivity is a trend then, and does it have a future? I think as a political movement, it is in itself very much here to stay I think you know from the 60s to now that's been shown that it's going to carry on and I just hope that we as a society continue it as well in our own lives and I believe that the movement will keep going and we'll, they'll keep fighting oppression towards people in large bodies and things but as you said there's been so many different body types over the years that people strive to look like from you know supermodels back in the 90s going all the way through to now and even before that I just hope it doesn't turn into another one and that we can carry on accepting and then growing with that acceptance so that other generations after us don't have to experience the negativity surrounding it all yeah I mean it's really going to have to start I think with the big corporations because of course with them trying to embody more body positivity I was reading shockingly that plus size models can only be size 14s and that they wear padding mm. to accentuate that hourglass figure which just completely threw me off because isn't the whole point of having plus size models that you know you're not like aspiring to that body shape yeah I think that I mean I think brands will jump on a hashtag or um, something that we all well not all of us but something that a lot of us resonate with they'll realize that and jump on it but they won't especially with this if you think about the movement they don't tend to use the people that the movement was made for originally. So like you said, they'll have a certain shape and size in mind and that's who they'll use. People of colour, people with disabilities don't get tend to get used in campaigns. As long as you fit into what's acceptable, that's when they'll use you. And that's I think needs to change. And you see we've seen we've seen a lot of change over the last few years with that and Companies are doing a bit better, but I think it needs to go a bit further. Well, quite a lot further. <laughs> I mean, this year we've seen the fall of Victoria's Secret, which I think was a long time coming. But... Oh, yeah, definitely. That's and the people are still in uproar about it. I don't understand why. <laughs> it's never been a healthy thing to put out into the world. Yeah, it's just it's crazy. It's crazy stuff. I was just about to say that a friend of mine did say that their bras fit well. But then again, it's one of those things like, well, why should we be wearing these restrictive bras anyway? <laughs> exactly. And actually, to be fair, I had I had some of their underwear a long time ago and the quality wasn't that great. You know, I'm going to say it. Maybe I had a 
bad experience, but you know, it wasn't that. It wasn't all that. No, it's not cheap either. Exactly. Oh my goodness, so much money. Yeah, with the price of housing now, we can't afford fancy bras. <laughs> exactly, especially when you've got to save up. But going back to like the corporations getting involved, and then you know, including these models that are supposedly plus size, but not really what the body positivity movement is aspiring to do. There are a lot of mixed messages out there, and what are the biggest messages that have been mixed would you say in the body positive movement i think a big one that i've noticed is a lot of people believe that it's glorifying obesity you know they'll see these great women and men you know living in their bodies and having a great time being happy about it they'll you know people jump in and say well you're glorifying obesity or you know you're you're way you weigh too much because you know they're living happily they don't feel the need to restrict and diet, which is fantastic, because how long have we been believing that we have to do these things to fit into society? So these people are reclaiming their lives and all these outsiders are saying that it's glorifying obesity. And I think that the relationship between health and size has always been in people's mind very linear when in fact there's so many different elements to it and those things don't align completely you know you can be well I was super duper unhealthy when I had an eating disorder and I was skinny and people would look at me and think well no she's she's great she's got that body type that everyone wants and I was so unhealthy you know so it just they don't I don't think they line up at all and I also think another one that tends to be put around a lot is that especially on like Instagram well yeah it's pretty much the only platform I think it really oh maybe Facebook a little bit is when there are thin people jumping in and saying well don't all bodies matter and we should all be happy living in our bodies and yes of course but again we're our bodies aren't scrutinized by everyone out there you know we don't receive hate for the way we appear in the world we're not oppressed for the way our bodies are you know we might have oppression elsewhere but not for that particular reason. So I think those are the two bigger things that tend to be spoken about in regards to body positivity. Have you ever received any backlash for your body positivity messages? Um, not a huge amount. I've had a few messages that I think were from the same person because it was anonymous, so I don't know for sure. But I was lucky enough to be in a great headspace you know I don't really get affected by these things of course I have crap days where I think my body isn't great like we all do but as for hate messages and things like that I haven't received a lot but again maybe that's because of my size like I'm I'm pretty average I don't have you know I'm not living in a bigger body so this it's more when I like happy and putting that out into the world some people just don't like it and what can you do I'm fine with it (laughs) I hate when they hide behind, like, the whole anonymous name as well. Like, you, friend, are just a coward. A dick coward. (laughs) That's what they are. Be brave. Come and say it to my face and we'll see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) But it's fine. Like, whatever. People are just... I've gone through so much therapy and stuff. Now I'm just like, I'll stop projecting onto me. Like, I don't care. (laughs) Yeah. That's definitely the attitude. It's all about them, really, isn't it? It's not about you. If they have something like this to say, it's about them not being comfortable in their own skin rather than you. Has there been anyone in the movement that has uh, that you consider a role model or particularly inspiring? I wrote some names down because I was worried I'd forget or say them wrong. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, right back when I start, started my little blog and was in recovery like full-on recovery um I would say I'm still I'm still in recovery now but it's a lot easier than it used to be 
but for people that inspired me and stuff I think it was more way back yeah way back when um I'll I've got their account names on Instagram and I've got their normal names <laughs> so uh scarred not scared uh, Michelle Elman so body positivity she talks a lot about scars and living in your bodies and stuff like that she's great um body posy panda megan crab i think that's how you pronounce it i might be wrong but same again yeah um really you know great light and happy and it's just nice and refreshing these people you know and um the last one was Okay, so her Instagram handle is I am Danny Adriana, and then her name's Danny Adriana. Um, so she's Australian, and yeah, great people. Um, big accounts, so they won't know who I am, but you know, they really, I think they really helped me um, in the course of sort of recovery and being out there on Instagram. So yeah, I mean, that's it's nice as well that you described it as a light and positive kind of you know accounts to follow to to spread some positivity in yeah. Yeah, a world that you, you were currently battling that was probably quite dark. Body positivity is about being positive at the end of the yeah. day and not like, it's a serious subject, but it's about spreading m- more positive vibes. Exactly, and everyone has bad days, you know, you wouldn't really be human if you went through every day being happy and cheery. Everyone has those days where they just don't want to get out of bed or, you know, whatever, but I think it's good to have... And you hear it all the time, don't you, about social media, like making sure you're following those accounts that bring you up rather than make you feel bad about yourself. And I strongly believe in that, too. You know, you can sit there scrolling for ages and be inundated with like people you wish you were like or striving to be like. And it's just becomes really heavy. So to follow people that make you feel a little bit nicer is is always good. Yeah. And so my final question for you today is... What words of wisdom would you like to bestow on anyone listening? Okay, this is a big deal. I feel like I've got to gotta <laughs> do the right thing here. Um, I think I'd say like, you know, you, well, like I've just said, you won't feel great every day. You know, you won't feel powerful or goddess-like every single day of the week. And that's completely fine. But I think it's on days... On those days, you know, when your hair looks a bit crap and you don't want to shower and your clothes just aren't fitting right, you take the time to step back and accept your body, you know. And if you can't love your body or be positive about your body, then simply accepting it where it is in this moment instead of beating yourself up, wishing you looked a different way or did something differently last week. I think it's finding that acceptance for yourself and showing compassion to the body you're in now, to the body you had, you know, last year, the year before, and to the body you'll have in the future. Because we're constantly changing and to hold on to something or want to be something else, I don't believe is always healthy. So, you know, finding compassion and giving yourself that space to just be. Oh, I think that's so nice though. Because it's true. I mean, sometimes you can't find space to love yourself but if you can find space to accept yourself that's quite a good step in the right direction as well yeah I think so and that's you know what I do on the days where I'm feeling really blah about my body I just sit well you know it digested that breakfast I had earlier and it took me out for a walk and that's just accepting it <laughs> yeah that's very true I mean I I think it's great what you've encouraged and communicate oh thank and, uh, you thank you so much for 
talking today. Oh, you're uh, so welcome. Before we leave, well, before you leave, I'll still be here. <laughs> <laughs> what would your addition to this B volume of the A to Z for 20-somethings in the 21st century be? Oh, again, this is this is very overwhelming. <laughs> um, I would say it's going to be something very cheesy. And so it just has to begin with the letter B. Is that it? Yeah. So be your most authentic self. Yeah, just be your most authentic self. We spend so long trying to be like someone else. And why? You know, you're great as you are. Yeah. I think that's something that really resonates with a lot of 20-somethings as well. Oh, 100%. Right. We're all telling each other to be more ourselves. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. Ah, oh, thanks, Liz. And uh, maybe look forward to seeing you in real life after lockdown. Yeah, I mean, you're not far away now, so why not? <laughs> Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Before we end, the Black Lives Matter movement is a B-word that required its own special mention. Whilst we're still in the throes of the Black Lives Matter movement, it has definitely had a significant impact on all 20-somethings in this century. The Black Lives Matter movement reached a climax in June 2020, but the hashtag was born in 2013 in requital for Trayvon Martin's murder. It is a movement to fight for the freedoms, liberation and justice for people of colour. The Black Lives Matter movement is a cry for quality and justice for the black lives that have faced violence and bias in the world we live in, in particular from the state and police. Looking at the stats, 20-somethings made up a big portion of activists in the 2020 BLM protests, with over half participating. Racism is one of the biggest issues that 20-somethings identify and want to address, along with human rights and civil rights. In surveys, compared to the other generations, those in their 20s expect brands to be more reactive and and engaged by donating money and amplifying the voices of black leaders because non-committal words aren't going to cut it anymore. This movement will most definitely make a mark on the future 20-somethings are carving for themselves. If you're keen to learn more about the Black Lives Matter movement, there's a growing amount of literature out there. I would particularly recommend Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race, by Rennie Edo Lodge. It's been a book that has opened my eyes and changed my life. And that's it, folks. You've come to the end of volume B of the Age Said 20 Somethings in the 21st Century. I hope your head is now filled with knowledge, and if not, you're just going to have to come back next week to tune into episode C. Take care now. Bye.